0: Welcome to the podcast of Of Course They Make Me Crazy. It's about crazy family stories. We all have one, right? More importantly, it's for those of you living with someone who suffers with a mental illness. You can start to feel lost in their world. Now, I get it. I grew up with a bipolar mom addicted to pain pills. Hoping the stories shared here will help you through difficult days. It's not all serious. We laugh and joke, too you have little ones around. pop in your headphones. Adults only, please. So this is a continuation of the last episode that Dr. Daniel Lobel, who's joining me again, uh, we did with each other. I called it how to maneuver self-destructive teen behaviors. So uh, Dr. Lobel, clinical psychologist, more than 25 years of experience, has written two books, When Your Daughter Has BPD and When Your Mother Has Borderline Personality Disorder. So thank you again, Dr. Lobel, for joining me.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. So you know, many of you already know that podcasts have time constraints. So Dr. Lobel and I felt it was co- important to continue the, the conversation that we had two weeks ago. So, I would really, really encourage you uh, to go back and listen to that episode if you didn't get a chance to yet. But, Dr. Lobel, so let's jump right into it. You know, you made a, a very important point that last two weeks ago that suicidal thoughts don't discriminate any one of us it can sneak up on any one of us at any time but we're talking about teens here and that's especially true they're going through hormone changes they have the pressures of social media maybe trying to live up to the expectations of parents teachers coaches you name it and they just deal with it a little bit differently Um, you mentioned the unassuming ones are the ones that are in most danger of it. Um, and you know many of us can write off our, our teens, you know, oh, they're bummed out, you know, typical teen behavior, They've been, that's just what they do. Uh, but what we don't really realize is that their feelings have and changes have been building up over a long period of time. So um, you're gonna get into two different scenarios for us. Um, and then this is we wanted to do head on tactical scenarios and advice for you this time around if you're dealing with a teen that is potentially self harming. So that's what we're going to get into. So, Dr. Lobel, let's get right into it. If, if a parent is dealing with something, whether a child is threatening uh, to harm themselves or they legitimately found some kind of evidence of it, how should a parent? handle that
1: ASAP so these are these are two different uh ways uh that the the self-harm or or desire to hurt oneself uh can present themselves and they have to be dealt with uh in different ways Mm
0: -hmm. so
1: let's take first the the child that uh, is threatening suicide if they don't get what they want and this happens quite a lot uh, actually, uh, not only does it, is it common, uh, amongst teens, um, but teens that have found that to be successful, uh, which, which you may be surprised how many of them do repeat the behavior on a regular basis. Yeah. And so it, the child, let's say the child wants to borrow the car, or the child wants to go out, uh, or back in my day, maybe the child wants to sleep on the street for two days to get Grateful Dead tickets. <laughs> uh, the parent, and the parent says no, and and the child says, "Well, my, you know, I'll kill myself if you don't let me do it." Yeah, when that happens. That's that's like taking a uh, for most parents, that's like taking uh, a, a wire, sticking it in the wall, and connecting it to their nervous system. Because the child's the parents' uh, stomach drops; they experience intense anxiety. And unfortunately, in many many situations, the first uh, inclination of the parent is, oh my gosh, my child is, is threatening to kill themselves, himself or herself. And so the, the, the parent's first inclination is I have to do anything, anything and everything I can do to save my child. So I'll just give in. Absolutely. And, and, that, and then that does seem to most people, you know, and it, it, in the short run, it does work. But as I was saying before, uh, if you do give in, you have now given the child a tool. And it's a very 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 effective tool and it gets used over and over and over and over again if you give into it and that creates a, a lot of uh problems the most significant of which is that we can no longer tell when the child says they're going to commit suicide if they're actually serious about it or if they're just trying to get some kind of accommodation or something that they want and so when that situation occurs Uh, my recommendation is that the parent uh, immediately say to the child, are you serious? Do you really mean that you're going to kill yourself? The child is likely the first time the parent does this to say, well, of course I mean that the parent should then say, okay, if that's, if you actually mean that, if that's what you really mean, then we're going to the hospital, no choice. But Uh, Parents feel guilty uh, or afraid to invoke emergency help when emergency help is necessary. A good parent obviously does not allow their child to commit suicide. And so the seeking of emergency help, despite the fact that the child may not like that, is the appropriate thing to do. So once you do that and you say, listen, if you're really going to kill yourself, if you're very serious about this, then we're going to have to you know, uh, call the hospital, go to the hospital or call 911. If the child then backs off of it, and this will happen quite often, the child will back off and say, no, 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 no. It's just, it's really important to me. I love the Grateful Dead or whatever it is, you know, uh, and then the parent can say, okay. So first of all, don't ever say that to me again, yeah. unless you really mean it, because this time, I understand that you were saying it for effect, and we can sit down and talk about you know the concert or whatever it is that you want to do we'll talk about that and we'll negotiate that but going forward if i hear you say that i'm going to assume you mean it and that means to me that you want or need to be in the hospital and as a good parent i will make sure you get there
0: yeah because i would think knowing myself i would probably be like oh go ahead be a drama be a drama queen you know and um that that's what you want to do, then you know. And I, because you, just like you said, as a, as a parent, it's like putting uh, an electrical wire into the wall, and you you're like, uh, you know. All of a sudden, you're just you're wanting to to lash back at them because maybe in reality you know they're not serious, um, but at the same time, it, it, that also puts like a a little you know, thing on your shoulder, devil or whatever says, but what if, but what if, you know, and I think that maneuver that you go back at with, you know, are you serious? We're going to take you to a hospital. We'll put them dead in their tracks without, I mean, that was a bad (laughs) um, phrase, but it would put them, it stopped them in their tracks and say, wait a minute, what did I just threaten my mom or dad with? And yeah. I think that that would make them look at that a little bit more seriously because emotions do run high for both parents when they're dealing with, with teenagers. Um, yeah,
1: and I, I, you know, April, I, I do actually want to caution uh, the viewers here that challenging the child and saying, oh, oh really, go ahead and do it, uh, w- with all respect to you, April, is yeah. not a good idea. It's not, it's a very bad idea because- right. It it opens up the possibility uh, for the child. Firstly, it pushes the child into a corner. And it opens up the possibility, which which children and adults, for that matter, do sometimes, which is they do suicidal, we call it suicidal gestures. Uh, And suicidal gestures are where they engage in behavior that's potentially lethal, but they do it in a way that's not lethal, but it's still injurious So they'll cut themselves, uh, but they'll cut themselves in a non-lethal way or they'll take a bunch of pills, but they won't take quite enough uh, to kill them. Might might make them sick, quite sick. Uh, And they know you're standing right there. So they know that whatever they do, you're going to get them, you know, you're going to make sure that they don't die. And so I I strongly recommend actually that you don't challenge the child other than to say, uh, if you really mean this, uh, you're going to the hospital
0: absolutely no i I, point taken I, i i love that um so then let's get into the other scenario where they're not vocal they're not challenging you they're quiet uh they're shut off uh and that is where it gets even more dangerous
1: yes that's exactly right that is much more dangerous much more problematic uh, and uh, much more serious uh, because uh, in the initial scenario, it's it's a largely an impulsive uh, threat. Uh, they're not getting what they want in that moment. The moment passes. Maybe they can get some of what they want or something like what they want. Uh, the child themselves are also uh, uh, escalated or elevated with regard to their... Uh, mood or or anxiety or agitation, perhaps, is the best uh, character of it, uh, and and it passes. The second scenario is contemplative. When you when you walk in and and you see a, a child, you know, having written a suicide note, or when you see your child giving away all the things that are precious to to her or to him, uh, without explanation for that, the favorite. Uh, you know, poster or the favorite, uh, you know, a video game or, or something that the child, a laptop, I guess, a laptop, uh, Whatever. Yeah, phone, uh, cell phone, uh, um, smartphone, those sorts of things, favorite t-shirt, even those kinds of things. Uh, and also uh, many of the parents I talk to, and, and we can talk a little bit more about this because it's a, kind of a sticky issue. Parents sometimes do monitor their children's uh, emails, texts, uh, and social media. We're talking about minors now, children who are under 18 years of age. Mm-hmm. Parents often feel guilty about that. However, those uh, uh, materials provide a, quite a uh, window uh, into the child's thinking and activities. And it's often through those windows that uh, they discover that the child is, is contemplating suicide uh, maybe talking to other people about it. There are actually websites and other social media that actually talk, I know this sounds strange, but talk positively uh, about suicide. Uh, there was a movie recently uh, that spoke to that, different ways to commit suicide. There is There are websites that, that are set up for suicide, for uh, uh, assisted suicide, for terminal patients, but teens can get hold of those websites, uh, and, and find out how to, how to hurt themselves. So if as a parent, you see any of these things, even though the child has not, uh, come to you directly, you must confront the child. Now, when I say confront, and this is true in all my practice, when I say confront, everybody bristles. I hate confrontation. I hate conflict. I don't like to do that. And so yeah. many people, are uncomfortable with confrontation. When I talk about confrontation, I'm talking about the general category of confrontation, speaking directly, not speaking about angry confrontation. And certainly in this situation, there's nothing to be angry about. And so when I say confrontation, I mean the parent has to sit down with the child. If it's a two-parent family, it should be both parents present, should sit down with the child and say, listen, I've seen that you are uh, contemplating hurting yourself or killing yourself. Uh, I did not, I didn't, I did not un- until this point realize how much pain you are in. That is a validating statement. Mm-hmm. Because people don't commit suicide unless they're in a lot of pain. And uh, mom and I or dad and I are here or I'm here to help you. Suicide is, is a one way ticket. It's out, it's, it's over, it's final. We can help you to a better life. You're a young person. There are lots and lots of different methods and lots and lots of different answers. Let's sit down and talk about this.
0: Absolutely. Um, Because they don't think it can get any better, but it really can. It really, really can. And and then, so from there, where do you normally see that going to when a, a parent comes to the child um, in your practice, do they, when they confront them that way, are they normally very honest with their parents or are they sometimes, do they, do they say, oh, I don't know what you're talking about, mom and dad, you know, because when you're caught doing something, you know, you try to make excuses as to why you were looking at that, as to why you said that, um, because you're not yet ready Meaning the child is not yet ready to discuss the thoughts that they've been having. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you, you're you're likely to get one of one of two responses, uh, and one of them uh, is the response that you are portraying. Uh, I would call it a defensive response, uh, and very often it'll come out as, uh, "What were you doing looking through my emails?" You know yeah. what. Yeah. You know, and it's sort of an outrage, uh, feeling violated, uh, uh, you know, with regard to privacy. Um, and this is, you know, I, I don't want to spend too much time on this now because we're talking about a very important subject of suicide, but this is an important subject too. Uh, with my children, uh, when they were children, they're grown up now, but when they were Mm -hmm. children, uh, I, I set up their accounts and I told them at the very beginning, Dad gets the password. If you're not going to give me the password, uh, then you don't get the account. And so whatever that may be, whether it's a Gmail account or a Facebook, uh, which I'm I'm frankly not a fan of for children, uh, or uh, any other Instagram, any of these, uh, Snapchatting, any of these kind of accounts, the parent should say right up front, I want your uh, uh, passwords. If you don't give me the passwords, you don't get it. And yes, of course, the reason I want your passwords is I'm going to be monitoring you. And if you're not comfortable, if you don't want that, then you don't get the account. If you set it up that way from the beginning, then it's open and honest. And I strongly recommend that parents do that. So, okay, maybe the scenario where the parent hasn't watched this podcast yet and did not set it up that way, and the child is yelling and screaming, you know, or, or protesting, let's say, uh, you know, what, what are you doing in my, you're violating my privacy and, and, and so on and so forth. Uh, at that point, the parents should not deny it. The parents should say, yes, yes, I was concerned about you. And so I did monitor your materials. Uh, and, and I'm, I'm so happy that I did.
0: I do it because I love you. That's right. I care yeah. about you. Yeah.
1: The yeah. other yeah. half, and I, I can't, you know, this is not a quantitative peer-reviewed Statistical uh, number, but more or less the other half uh, 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 of children actually are relieved, mm-hmm. and and so they're like, yeah, I'm yeah, this. I, I am, I am feeling that way, uh, and and in a way they may not say it, but in a way they're actually happy, they're they're relieved uh, that the parent has uh, found this to be the case, and so in either of those cases, the next step for the parent would be to begin to ascertain, and I realize parents are not trained psychologists, but the, the, the next step is to ascertain whether the child is depressed, which which most likely the child is, how deeply depressed the child is uh, in order to choose the proper um, intervention, the level of intervention. So if the child is is say mildly or moderately depressed, well, you know, I've been thinking about this and yes, yes, you know, I did write those things, but, you know, I, you know, I, you know, I also, I I love my boyfriend and, you know, I also, you know, do want to go to college. You know, someone like that. Uh, Okay, so we're going to make an appointment, you know, with a, a mental health professional and have this evaluated. We don't have to, you know, jump into the car right away. We don't have to call 911. We're going to make an appointment. We'll do this together uh, and and uh, we'll take care of things. If the child is severely depressed, if the child hasn't eaten for a week, the mm-hmm. child's not sleeping. If the child has uh, uh, evidence of injuries on their body, self-inflicted injuries, if the child is a cutter, and we, we haven't spoken about that yet, but cutting uh, children or even adults for that matter with certain personality disorders cut themselves without necessarily wanting to commit suicide, nonetheless, self injurious behavior is a morbid indicator.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I reading about it. It says when they cut themselves, it's kind of like they're releasing the tension of what they have going on in their bodies. Um, I can't relate, but you know, I, that's what it's to put their mind somewhere else. You know when it when it's not being when they're when they're just of course not in that serious uh, point of their life of wanting to really harm themselves but they do it to you know bad. so I, I hate to hear anybody would do that to themselves. I mean,
1: it's terrible, uh, April. Some sometimes I see people with scars all up and down their arms and legs those are the most typical spots yeah because they can be covered uh, Mm -hmm. maybe, they're most accessible uh but if you if you determine that the person has a high level of lethality uh and like i said previous self-injurious behavior and a very very big predictor it's it's one of the most strongest uh, uh predictor that we use clinically is the presence or absence of an actual plan. So a child who says, or, or an adult for that matter, but it, we're, we're talking about adolescents now. Yeah, I think about that. I don't really know how I would do it. I have to do some reading on that, or right, you know, something like that. Okay, we can make an appointment for next week and and meet with, with a mental health professional. Child that says, uh, you know, I've, I well, I have this uh, blade that I've saved from uh, chemistry class or or anatomy class that's a very high level of lethality Yeah. That situation. That child needs medical care immediately.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's, that's it's, it's just hard to stomach even hearing you say something like that. Uh, going back, I was flipping through Instagram. Uh, I think it was yesterday. And there was this uh, post on from a girl, she's older. Uh, now in her I I would assume in her 20s and she experienced that situation of cutting and so she gave herself a tattoo over her scars that said survivor and then you know the whole post was about um yeah you know this is what I did in the past and boy am I happy that I didn't let that go and you know I, I live a beautiful life now and um, um, so I, I think that some, you know, they just have to realize it's a phase, a potential small heart gut wrenching phase of their life portion, and that it'll open up to bigger and beautiful things. Um,
1: that's, but, that's right, uh, April. And, and the, the, the um, significance of the depression level, uh, speaks exactly to what you were just saying. Depression, actually, uh, it's a mood disorder that affects your nervous system. And in doing so, it affects the way you think, and it affects the way you perceive things. And so what we typically see in people who are acutely suicidal is that during that time, and it's, it's much to your point, uh, April, that uh, during the time when they're thinking about suicide or actively engaging in suicidal behaviors or gestures or things like that, the world looks very dark. They see no light. They see no possibility of any kind of recovery or any, anything ever getting better. But once the depression is treated, the world looks differently. It's exactly what you say. And so the darkening of the world is, is chemical.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The actual chemical we think is serotonin or a combination of serotonin or but, uh, and norepinephrine. And that's why most of our antidepressants today uh, affect the level of serotonin in the brain. But once you get the right level of serotonin, then, oh, wow. You know, and so many people have come to me, especially when I used to practice hospital psychiatry, and, and people would come to me and say, wow, you know, I can't believe actually, I actually, if, if I didn't get care, I would have actually killed myself. And and I look back on it now, and it's like, oh, thank God, you know, that, that you guys stopped me from doing it, because I see now I have a bright future.
0: Absolutely. And that's what we hope for them, you know, hope with people listening to this podcast is that, um, you know, I can't imagine being a parent and having to deal with with what they're dealing with. Um, but more importantly, um, you know, I remember back in the days of being a teen and it was tough. It was tough. And, uh, you know, I don't know if I ever went that far um, in having those thoughts, but I was pretty dark at some point. I think every teen, teenager is. Uh, and they just need to realize it will get better. Um, if they get the help they need and mom and dad need to be there, you know, and I can't imagine the pain somebody feels, um, if they actually had a child go through with it. Um, and, and it was probably the case of they didn't know that the child was going there. that's why you really have to Watch them and watch their behaviors, and and don't think, oh, you know, I'm just being ridiculous. Tap into your intuition on that. You know, if, if you're a single parent, and you're working all the time, um, you know, and your uh, attention is trying to put food on the table and. You know, making sure that they're clothed and you're running from job to job and not really seeing there, that, that can get really tricky for, for some. And, um, and I'm sure it happens off, more often than, than we know.
1: It does. And uh, I have worked with parents in that situation. Um, and what they're almost always, I think I, I probably could say always, um, in my experience, uh, is they always feel that they should have known,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and so you know, is there a circumstance where they couldn't have known? You know, I tend, I kind of tend to think that you know, look, some parents are more intelligent, some are less intelligent, some are more savvy, some are less savvy. Some parents are more involved with their children uh, and have much much more of an open uh, discourse. Uh, some some don't. Uh, mm-hmm. And those are all factors in terms of whether one might have known or should have known. Um, but but they're they're generally left with that feeling and they verbalize it to me. You know, I should have known. Yeah. You know, and, and as we're discussing today and, and we're trying to part of the purpose of this podcast, uh, at least in my mind, a very important part of it is to is to help parents to realize there are early signs there are things that you can, you can see that uh, require attention. Uh, this, amongst many other items uh, in uh, adolescence, should not be ignored. Substance abuse should not be ignored. Uh, suicidal ideation, thoughts, behaviors, should not be ignored. Uh, you know th- those, uh, those kinds of uh, pitfalls of adolescence, if you will, should never be ignored. They need to be confronted and dealt with. And the good news is we really can help people with this stuff. Depression is treatable. We treat it we have really good treatments now, all kinds of treatments for depression, and most of the time we get really good results, yes, same with yeah. substance abuse and cutting and all kinds of things uh, there's you know we're, we're as good as we've ever been as mental health providers.
0: Yeah, and we're talking about it more and. So get on it. (laughs) You know, don't, don't let them uh, be the boss of you. You're the boss of them. Right.
1: The the stuff parents ignore, you know, and, and I don't, you know, I'm not trying to be hard on parents. I think as a culture, uh, you know, we, we, at least American culture, which is the one I'm most familiar with uh, you know, there are certain things that the things that we ignore that really are quite striking you know this is the process of avoidance and denial, which are not useful they are coping mechanisms but they're not useful. Right. Uh, and so people you know who, who ignore body signs you know, oh yeah, I've been having this chest pain, but I don't know if I should go to the doctor. Yeah, you should go to the doctor you know yeah. I have growth yeah. on, on, on my face you know and I want to see if it disappears by itself, you know or
0: absolutely. Or,
1: just on and on and on, people not, not getting life insurance, people not writing wills, people not going to the dentist, people not going for preventative health care. It doesn't go away. This stuff doesn't go away. It just cooks.
0: It just cooks. I mean, it's. A, I work in a doctor's office. It's amazing what I will see people let go. And it, they come in, and I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And then I say, th- thank God. You know, I thank God every day for my health, my mental health, and my happiness. I think that's the, those are the, the two things, or three things, I can't whatever it is that I thank every, every day. Thank you. Health, happiness, mental health, physical health. Um, because the, some of the things people let go and, and don't want to deal with, I, I don't know where their headspace is on letting that stuff go, but... You know, bringing it back to, to this point, it's yeah. You 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 can't let that your your teen or your child keep going the way they're going if you see the signs. It won't That's get better right. without your help, right?
1: Yeah, and I think it goes back to the reluctance to confront. Yeah, the reluctance to say it looks like you're having a problem there. Let's let's talk about it. I will help you. I'm here to help you. Mm-hmm.
0: No judgment just here to help you. So, well, Dr. LaBelle, I think that, uh, that I I hope and pray that it helped, you know, some, someone listening today that it gives them the gumption or the oomph if they've been teetering on addressing it with their child, that they do. So, um, anything else you wanted to add before we wrap up?
1: Um, just that, uh, to remember that children uh, and adolescents, I mean, adolescents start to look like adults, but they're not adults. Mm-hmm. And uh, the main uh, focus on that, that parents need to remember, we have found now uh, in our brain research that the human frontal lobe does not fully mature until a person is in their 20s. Oh. So the frontal lobe, The main function of the frontal lobe is what we call executive function. And that means control of impulses, higher level insights, abstract thinking, planning, and judgment. And so all of those cognitive abilities are underdeveloped in adolescence. They are not adults. Their brain is not fully formed. They need you to help them. They need you to, they need to, you to, essentially what you're doing is you're lending them your fully mature uh, frontal lobe. Hopefully you have a frontal lobe. <laughs> 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 fully frontal lobe. And you're lending them your frontal lobe until their frontal lobe is fully developed. You have to do that. That's a, uh, a requirement of parenting. And, and you do that through confrontation and you confront the judgments or misjudgments and you confront the impulsivity and you understand that their brains do not allow them to have the restraint that you have, and so you support their development, health, and safety.
0: Absolutely, I love that point. I did not know that. I would assume that it was fully developed before the twenties. So that was a, that's very interesting. Um, the, the current mm-hmm. research
1: is putting it as late as twenty-five.
0: Really. Is that why uh, adult kids are living with their parents so much longer? <laughs> <Just even. laughs> like the, but during the debates, you know, they're like, insurance is... They're, you're going to go off your parents' insurance at 26, and I'm thinking they should be off their parents' insurance at 26. <laughs> but, uh, that well, and a
1: few other reasons, yeah. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> well, and two, you know, I think if parents are actually listening to this episode, they're uh, they're aware and they're they're putting that that step forward and into. Um, wanting to do better, so I commend them for doing that too, you know, and, and learning more about it. So, and I do appreciate you being on again with us. Um, all righty, well, we'll just go ahead and wrap it up here. Uh, they can reach you at mysideofthecouch.com. Is it .com or .org? .com. .com. Okay, mysideofthecouch.com. Those of us living with people suffering from a mental illness have a lot to deal with too. They're not the only ones hurting, we hurt with them. Having a supportive community is so important to your health. Would love to hear your story too. Email, of course they make me crazy at gmail.com.